0: You are listening to the message by Antioch Center for the Nations. For more information, please visit www. Thank you. Initially, the 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 title or the the point of, of today's message was going to be about um, suffering, which you know doesn't sound too positive. And I think part of the reason was. Uh, I was inspired by the flight that we took, Um, and I say suffering because uh, traveling with a baby, uh, we just had a three-month-old baby, on a 12-hour flight can be suffering. Um, So it was a fun experience for us as parents to sort of, you know, sit in that SIA uh, you know, dedicated seats for, for parents with infants. And they set up this bassinet and they give you all these like things, you know, to make sure that you're comfortable and the baby's comfortable and you think, Oh, you know, this is going to be great. You know, baby's going to sleep 12 hours and we're going to just be in Singapore. No problem. And obviously that's exactly the opposite of what happened. So, uh, Mateo slept about, I don't know, maybe half an hour, every hour or so, and then he'd get up and 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 the, and the tough thing is, every time the seatbelt sign flashes, you got to take your kid from the bassinet into your arms, which obviously wakes up the kid, at least our kid, so it was pretty much back to square one every single time. So that was, you know, that was kind of something that 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 really uh, spoke to me about the fact that. You know, there were people in the flight that said, oh, how did you guys do it, you know, to, to to constantly be there with the kid and, you know, we were rocking them and we were doing all kinds of stuff that parents do. This has now become a new standard move. Um, I don't know if there's any parents, but you know this move. Um, you wear the little, you know, the little thing to carry the baby, and then you just do this, and that's pretty much what I do now, all the time. We do it uh, constantly. We'll be talking to, to other couples who have kids, and we'll be doing the move, and we'll start doing the move. You know, you'll see them from far away. You're like, oh hey, how's it going? You know, you. It's just automatic. You can't, you can't, you can't help it. So, uh, you know, we're doing all that and these people are saying, oh, yeah, it's just you guys are so patient and blah And I think man if you saw me on a daily basis You would never say that I'm patient because when I see myself and I thought, you know, I got this You know, I'm a patient guy. I can do parenthood and then I met my son and I thought wow My level of patience is so small. (laughs) I need so much more Um, so Through this whole ordeal, you know, these 12 hours and everything, which was the suffering portion, I really felt like I can go now a little bit longer. I could stand for 12 hours and do this. Why not? I could do that. And I thought, man, that's really like what the Bible says about suffering. Suffering produces something new in you. And um, I love to go through the Bible book by book. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you haven't, You got to try it. It's awesome. So I go to the Bible uh, book by book. And so now I'm in in James. I don't read them in any particular order. I'm not organized and cool that way. I just kind of pick something. And um, I've been doing this reading in James. And I thought, James is such an awesome book. Because James is practical. You know, like I've been reading a bunch of other esoterical stuff and I could get all theological and God knows what. But James is practical. And I thought, this is something I can easily follow. And, you know, he's kind of harsh, but um, James had this this thing and this, it stuck in me, in my head as I was on the plane and sharing with my wife, this, this thing that it says about trials and tribulations and sufferings and i have that verse for you i think first is the the title of the message which is really now about pressure points it's about the things that push you and through pressure become something else on on the facebook side, i don't know if you saw that we put a image of a, of a diamond because you know that's the, the idea of pressure creating something in you and i think that's the same thing so the verse that i have for you today is uh, from james chapter one and it says my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but that patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, just as a show of hands, uh, who in this room, when you face trials and tribulations, start thinking, oh, yay, oh, I love this, another test, oh, wow. So who, who feels that way? Is there anybody in this room that feels that way? Of course not. I thought, James, what are you talking about? Man, I mean, count it all joy. Not even like, okay, be a little bit happy. No, he's saying count it all joy. And I thought, okay, maybe it's just a translation I'm using. Maybe he means something different. So, you know, there's really cool parallel sort of Bibles that you can look at. So I looked at the parallel Bibles and I thought, okay, let's see what they say. And let's see if there's any other thing. And it says, okay, and then he says, consider it pure joy. Pure joy, 100% joy. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Okay, this is something I can vibe with. Opportunity. All right, that's cool. That's cool. Opportunity, yeah, maybe that. Be glad even if you have a lot of trouble. That's not me at all. Consider yourselves fortunate when all kinds of trials come your way. Consider it nothing but joy. Nothing but joy. Don't even, there's nothing else. There's no stress. No, just joy. And then it says, be very happy when you are tested in different ways. And this is my favorite. This, I love this. I don't know. This is awesome. All joy counted. It sounds like Yoda is saying it. All joy counted, my brethren, when ye may fall into temptation's manifold. I love that. That's just that's really funny to me. But I thought, no. It's, it's, not, it's not a translation issue. He really means... Count it all joy. This must be something important to James. And this is James chapter 1, verse 2. He's just started talking to these poor people. He sent out a letter. He didn't even say, you know, at least Paul has like a nice little greeting message. Hey, hope you guys are doing good. Hey, uh, say hi to th- this guy and that guy. And, you know, I'm I'm doing here. I'm doing this thing. James is just like, No. Count of pure joy right away from the start. Bam. Trials. You're going to get trials. That's your life. Okay. And I thought, all right, well, there's got to be something in there. So I thought, okay, so what is it exactly that he's trying to say? What is these trials and tribulations? What is that? What does that really mean? And so um, I looked up the word, and it's this wonderful, beautiful little word that you can just carry around with you wherever you go. Uh kater gazomai, which sounds really Japanese. Uh, Maybe Michael and Nicole can weigh in on that, but uh, (laughs) probably not. But to say, Um, it says to bring forth by working to its exhaustion point. So this this is what he's saying. He's saying, go through it, work it to its exhaustion point, and that will bring about something. Because that's what he's saying. He's saying the trials and the tribulations, they're producing something. And this word producing is this kater gazomai thing. Isn't that crazy? Your suffering produces something. The moment you start suffering, there is an automatic spiritual process that initiates the production of something new, something different. And it really made me think of another verse of the Bible, which is really where we're going to be spending our time today, which is this part in Romans. It says... Uh, Paul says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And again, that word produces is the same word, katagazoma. It initiates a process of something new in you. And, you know, Paul starts in chapter 5 about his suffering bit, so that's kind of nice. and we're going to be seeing these things in detail and kind of going through what all these things mean. But before we do that, um, I'd just like to very quickly just go to the Lord in prayer to make sure that I deliver this message the way that God intended it. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're present. I thank you that, you, that you're that you powerful. And I thank, thank you that you're working through all these things that are I'm going to be up on the wall today. I thank you that your word has the power to break through joint and marrow, that it can divide, that it can pierce through all the situations of our life. And I pray that today I will not stand in your way, that I will not let the preoccupations of Ricky stand in the way of what you have to say. So just I empty myself before you, God, and I ask you to fill me so that I can speak as if you were here present, as if you were speaking through a man. That is my wish and my desire today, just to be that open and that vulnerable to you. And I thank you, God, that you're here and that you're present. Have your way in our meeting tonight, Lord. We thank you. Amen. Let's go for the first part. Um, suffering produces endurance. Um, so there's, there's two parts of this. And and before I go to the, to, to the sort of the following uh, moment, um, this idea of, of suffering. So you go through something complicated, something difficult, something hard, and this process starts. But the important thing is not just the suffering for suffering's sake. Now, I've met people that do that. I've met people that suffer for suffering's sake, that just keep on suffering the same thing because they lack the second portion, this endurance portion. So it's not just suffering, it's suffering that lasts. And this word suffering um, is translated as carrying something. Caring something through a difficult moment. That is suffering. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I had some stories in my past where I tried to self-medicate. I don't know if you've ever done this. But you have a pain, and instead of going through the pain, you just self-medicate. Um, part of my weight at the moment as part of that self-medication process because when I got stressed or I started to suffer something, I just said, you know what? I'm just going to order like two Big Mac meals, upsize them and eat away my pain. And one of the stories that really destroyed me was I was addicted for a very, very long time to pornography and I couldn't get rid of it in my life at all. Because every time that I would go through a suffering moment in my life, I would go back to the thing that I thought could make me whole and could medicate me. But what I didn't realize is that I, God was bringing me through a purpose of endurance. And when Jesus was in the wilderness, that's exactly that same process. I mean, that was 40 days, 40 days of fasting. I don't know if you fasted that thing that you're like, I'm not gonna say like necessarily addicted to, but that thing that like kind of has a crux in your life. If you've ever fasted that for 40 days, it'll get to you at some point. Like, I love coffee. I really love coffee. And sometimes it's like, it's more than what it is, more than just like a beverage to start your day. It's like, it's like a life energy. If I don't have that coffee in the morning, I can't go through life. You know, it just feels that way sometimes. So last year I tried this for for Easter. You know, the churches that we're serving in Germany, they tried to put together kind of all the... Christian religions and so they try to favor the people that are like interested in Lent and they try to say okay look this idea of fasting before Easter how can we make it relevant so they do plans they do all kinds of sort of hip stuff to try to make sure how can we teach people about fasting in a healthy way so I tried fasting and that's what I started and I fasted coffee which seems like okay well anybody could do that but I discovered things in me that I didn't know I discovered processes in me that were like, man, I don't necessarily need coffee to start my day. I, can, I, I, I don't need to give that the priority of my day. It's not a thing that I necessarily need to hook up all my life to. It's not every time that I feel down and whatever, I just go get a coffee or, you know, it was crazy. What I didn't realize is when I'm working, I spend about two to three hours. This is no jar. I calculated about two to three hours in a, like an eight hour period. Drinking coffee. Because I would, you know, I'm Italian. It's also like what we do. It's like you're working and then you're stressed. You're like, hey, you want to have a coffee? Yeah, right. So you you sit there and you're with somebody, you know, you share, you have a coffee. And then before you know it, half an hour is gone. You know, and I would do this repetitively. And eventually my wife has finished like, I don't know, her to-do list of 18 million things. And I've done like three. Because I spend the rest of my time drinking coffee. And every time you sit back at your desk, you're like, eh. So I discovered that like there was also something about God speaking into me about processes in my life that you know you could be more effective if you did this and this and this. And God's not, you know, he's not forceful. You know, if you ever feel forced into something, you know that's not God. So he's not forceful. So it was just an like an idea, an indication. He was like, Look, just see this in your life. I'm just telling you. Yeah, maybe you don't need it. And so I thought, awesome. And and that's kind of like what this endurance moment is—it's about carrying it from point A to point B. And um, I don't know how many of you have seen the Karate Kid. I don't know if anybody knows that movie anymore—the old one. I'm not talking about the, the 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 new one. But there was a scene where the kid had to carry plates in his hand. Okay, and then the, the 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 teacher puts the plates in his hands, and it's one by one. And eventually, there's like a stack of 20 plates on each hand. You know, and he's got to hold it there. And that's that's what endurance will feel like. They'll feel like, I can't do one more plate. But the thing is, you're not the one that's controlling it. God's the one that knows how much you can take. And if you allow him to show you how much you can take, you'll discover amazing things about yourself that you never knew possible. Gosh, I, can, I could really push through this thing. I can, really, I can overcome this addiction, even though everything in my mind, my emotions, my circumstance tells me I can't. And that's what I did. I just had to stop. You know, some people see a a shining light from heaven and they're delivered. That didn't happen to me. I had to go through the thing. And there's going to be things in your life that no matter how much you pray for, no matter how much you beg, how much you pound your fist on the ground, no matter how much you scream, you yell, you pray in every tongue possible known to man, plus those not known to men, you're never going to be able to get rid of it. So the only answer is go through it go through it. It's going to bring something. So that's the thing. Go through it. Endure it. The moment you feel the trial, step one, endurance, and that you know. And we think, okay, well, you know, it kind of sucks because I thought being a Christian meant I don't have to go through suffering. i kind of thought that was part of the deal. And, you know, we know it's not because Genesis at the beginning of the Bible says, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat fruit. From, from it all the days of your life. It's it's at the beginning. We screwed up at the beginning, and now the earth is cursed. The earth is cursed. I mean, in heaven it's gonna be different. In heaven, once we're done with New Jerusalem, it's a whole different deal. But while we're here, we're gonna have to go through suffering. And and I, I heard this awesome quote from a worship leader that I'm following, that I'm that I'm sort of being mentored by, although he doesn't know it, um, through Instagram. And he said, this is the only time in history where we are going to get to worship through our pain, through our suffering. Because once you get to heaven, there's no more suffering there. But now you get to do that. You get to worship through your suffering. I thought, man, that's awesome. And I'm going to take that because, you know, suffering is pretty daily thing. So uh, I'm going to need that. Um, and so here again, that, that definition, carry something, carry it stress and through a situation. That's sort of the, the, the first part. And then endurance, this this word endurance um, is in the next slide. It says to remain under, of course, endurance, steadfastness, especially as God enables the believer to remain, endure under the challenges he allots in life. And Jesus told his disciples this just really like at the beginning of their relationship. He said, remain in me and I will remain in you. Endure. Keep going through it. Instead of situations pulling you away from God, use those situations to get closer to God. Use that portion. Just remain. And this he says, remain in me and I will remain in you just as no branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So he's going a whole step above that. He's saying, Unless you remain in me, you're never going to be able to see the fruit, what could happen on the other side of the mountain. And that's the awesome thing. Because when you're in the suffering, you can't see the mountain. We were at... um we were at this, this Easter thing, so I'd fasted this coffee you know for the forty days and everything and and then I got to the Easter thing, and I thought I had to do what we call uh, a vision site, which really means just a it's a short five minute message encouraging powerful boom let 's go and um, I got a picture in the morning and it was kind of obscene, so I was a bit scared to share it with people, um, but I did it anyway. I mean the church is pretty uh, out there, so they, they could take it, uh, but it went like this it said these things right here, your, your pinky finger, those are your challenges. Okay. Now this finger right here, this is the praise that you're going to feel at the end of overcoming your challenges between this and this is this finger right here. I'm not going to hold it up alone because I'm afraid that the video is going to then censor everything. This is Singapore and I don't know what's going to happen. Steven's never going to invite me back again, but, um, but 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 this stands in the middle of it. And these are the things that annoy you, the things that get in your way, your frustrations, these suffering, these trials, the things that just constantly like mm, come against you. And if you look at it this way, if I am right here where my challenges are, I'm never going to be able to see where the good moments are, my highlights. I'm never going to be able to see that because there's something in the way. Guess what I got to do? I got to go through it. That's the only way. I got to go through it. So this is just to challenge. If you don't remember anything from today, just remember that. You got a challenge? Go through it. Just just see, just out of curiosity. Who knows what's going to be on the other side of this thing? So just go through it. And then he says something really exciting. Paul says that it doesn't just stop there because once you're at the level of endurance, endurance produces character. Now, I can't think of a better system to produce character than suffering. There's really, there's, I, I don't know what else can shape your character like suffering can. I mean, I suffered in the army. All the boys out there, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You suffer in the army. You, you suffer, first of all, because it's the army. And you suffer, second of all, because it's the army in Singapore. And I'm not talking because Singapore is a harsh country. Did you see the weather outside today? I mean, I was dying. I was dying. And I used to train with bunker gear, you know, what firefighters wear. Bunker gear is like this thick. Plus I had my uniform on and the sun's out and you got a helmet and you're wearing a tank and you've got fake oxygen in your face, you know, like there's no, I had a shade of red That has not been invented yet as that much sweat was coming out my face. It was crazy. I suffered. But when I came out of it, I have never been that disciplined in my life ever. I mean, before the army, I could never get up at five. Five? Who gets up at five? I never heard of that. Never. And I was a spoiled kid. So five, that doesn't exist. So... It taught me something. It developed my character through suffering. It showed me how much more I could achieve if I pushed myself to the limit. And that's really what suffering will do and what endurance will do is once you're at the level of endurance, it will start to shape your character. Guess what's awesome? Your character is permanent. It's permanent. Once you change that, it's changed forever. You can change that portion of your life forever. And now I know there's some young couples in this room and some older couples in this room, but there's those moments where you really wish that you could change a portion of yourself for your spouse, or maybe you wish your spouse would change, but that's a separate issue. Um, maybe, maybe you, you want to change that portion of yourself for your spouse, but you just can't, you know, like I'm a big picture kind of guy. Okay. I can't see the details like almost never, so my wife will say, hey, can you pass me uh, the, my glasses? They're on the table, okay? So I go to the table, and the table's got like a million things. And I think, right, glasses, okay? Some, and I think logically where the glasses should be, so I look in the drawers and stuff like that. And it's like, I'm sorry, I, don't, I have no idea where the glasses could be. And then she goes to the room, in 10 seconds, 10 seconds she finds them. And they're like right there. And it's, if I had opened my eyes, I would have seen them. But I'm just looking at the whole desk. I'm thinking, this is the desk. This is, you know, that's what I'm looking at. She can see the detail. And when, whenever I'm, I'm we're vacuuming, you know, like if I'm cleaning the house, you know, I, which I love to do. I just, I can't get it. She'll come in 10 seconds and go, there's that there, that there, there's a spot there, look there, over there, that's there, look at that, that's not right, that's right. or, or, or Or like, I'll make lunch sometimes and I'll bring a plate and she's sitting on the couch, which is like maybe three, four meters away and I'm coming from the kitchen and it's dark, you know, like we don't have all the lights on and everything, I bring the plate out and she looks at me and goes, oh, there's a hair on that plate. And... I mean, I made the food. I have the plate in my hand. I don't know where the hair is. So I'm staring at it. I'm like, where is it? There, right there. And I'm like, oh, and I see it. It's, and it's like a pretty long hair. Like, And, you know, somebody with sense would have seen it. But I just, I can't, it's just not my gift, you know. So it's a part of my character that I really wish that I could change. I wish I could be like a detail guy you know, and maybe I'll never get there, I don't know, but maybe there'll be a trial in my life where I'll have to be detail-oriented enough, and I'll have to suffer through that, and then bam, one day I'll be able to see all the hairs on everybody's plate, and probably never eat again, because I'll be like, ah, but you know, what I'm saying is, there's things that we'd like to change, and and some cool words here, and I like definitions, so you're going to see a lot of definitions on here. I apologize. but um, So, so the, word, the word character is defined as the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. What's even cooler is the Greek word that this character comes from, so character or whatever sounds uh, Greek to you, uh, that means it's a stamping tool. It was, it was a stamping tool, something you would stamp something with, and it's like your mark of quality. Like I know that if my wife does something like a work or whatever, it's Pravina stamped. That's quality work. Like you can't touch that. Nobody can. I mean, she's got quality stuff. Or like, okay, I'm not comparing you to this, but I'm just gonna. I'm using an example. Um, or like, if you go to the supermarket and you see like a really good cheese. Okay, I'm not comparing it to the cheese, that's why I said, but if you see a really good cheese, it's like stamped, you know with like the seal of approval of that place cheesery, wherever they cheese factory, wherever they make that, it's got that stamp on it, you know so you know its quality, like a really good scotch, it's got like a stamp, bam, this is made here, and you know it's good. you know it's branded, it's tested and so this this word that he used to, to describe character is dokime which means a brand of what is tested and true. Tested and true. Man, if you've not been tested in your character, it's going to need a lot of work later on. Now, Stephen says this awesome thing that has been guiding us for years. He says that your character needs to rise to the level of your anointing. Now, you may be anointed. You may be the most anointed person, but you may be... Uh, trying to find a word that's like nice for church, you may be a bit of a jerk. Jerk is okay, right? Jerk is okay. Yeah, you might be a bit of a jerk, you know? Why? Because you don't care about other people. You're always late. You're sloppy. You don't bring your stuff. You don't care about other people's feelings. Guess what? That's all character stuff. So you're anointed, and that's fantastic, but you're never going to be able to go where God really needs you to go because you don't go to the trials. You don't do the stuff that God needs you to do to get your character to to work to the place of your anointing. And man, we, we are, you know, we're working in a cafe in Munich and we have to deal with people's character all the time. You know, I never thought church work would be so much time with people. I was really, you know, in Cambodia, we were serving people and i could do that that's easy man you got your burrito what do you want what do you want you want it spicy man i'll make it as spicy as you want you know i love you here's your burrito bam finished you know i'm done then we came into germany and they're like okay now you gotta mentor these people so they can make the burritos the way you make them you know and we're not making burritos i'm just using the example but like you know you have the cafe great all these people you've got to train them they got to be like you We want them, you know, to feel the spirit the way you do. We want them to like, you know, be able to operate the way you do, serve the way you do, have the same heart. And that is so much work because people resist this change like crazy, like crazy. And the funniest thing is that the people that remain, the people that go through the difficult times, and it can get hard because we have a, we have a cafe, a pretty professional looking cafe, but number one, it's super cramped. Number two, we rent it from a disco and a disco in Europe on a Friday and a Saturday makes so much disgusting muck everywhere that when we come on Sunday, we clean it up, we do our best, but there's always one or two things that ain't working. So you come in, a, you come in to serve on a Sunday, and that's not working. This is not working. It smells because it's a disco. It's you know it's cramped. All this stuff. They come. And they're just not, they're not there. They don't want to serve. They don't want to do the thing. And you just see that. And you got to speak positivity into them. And you got to love them because you got to help them through the process. And at the same time, you're tired because you have a three-month-old at home and you haven't slept that much. And, you know, all this process is just crazy. And so you got to help these people to bring up that character. And really, that's the reason why you're developing your character. The whole point is, at some point in time, you're going to have to impart that onto somebody else, whether it's your kids or, or whether it's somebody else or whether it's somebody in church. The whole point is you need to multiply. That's, that's the purpose. That is the purpose. That's why you're going through this change. You need to multiply. That's the whole purpose. And so, you know, this, this is the best absolutely God-entrusted way for you to develop your characters, go through the suffering, endure it bam, you're going to unlock that new thing in your character, which is awesome. And the whole point of that is that God wants to make you more like him because he says, speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. This is what he tried to do for so long with these Israelites in the desert and they were so against it every single time. Do this. No. Okay, do that. No. Okay, I'll give you some rules to follow. No. No. We're going to make a calf out of gold. That's a pretty cool idea. No, it's not. It's stupid. It's so stupid. Why would you do that? And every single time, Moses had to deal with all this stuff, and God had to deal with all this stuff. And that's exactly the kind of thing that God wants you to do. God God wants you to make you more like Him. God wants to show you. And that should be our goal. Like Our goal as Christians should really be, every day, I want to walk one step and be closer to Christ. I want to be... Peter leaving that boat behind, and I want to go walk on the water where it's all weird and I don't understand, but I want to go and be like Jesus. I want to walk and do what he's doing. That should be our goal in life. Every single day, one step at a time. And that's why we're here. That's the whole purpose of it all. Be more like Jesus. Because, again, this life is not permanent. It's not permanent. And one day... We're going to be gone from this life, and we're going to be serving God somewhere else without pain, without suffering, without any other stuff to this world. But God needs to know where He can put you. And you know, my, my wife and I, we like to watch cooking shows. I don't know if you enjoy watching those shows. There's one, which is kind of boring, but um, it serves the purpose of the story, uh, which is called the Great British Cook-Off. Um, it's, 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 I mean, it's okay, but... Um, there is a trial in there where uh, they will ask the, the the people competing to choose between an easy, a medium, and a hard recipe, you know. And then the people choose. Then they go. Obviously, the easy one will get you sort of less bonuses with the with the people. And I think God is looking at us and going, man, you know, like Valerie, she could totally do a hard. So I'm gonna give her a heart because she could totally rock that. So he's gonna give you a heart, and Valerie's thinking, What? Why am I being hit? how am I gonna do this? And he's giving you a recipe, but you're like, oh, this is really hard and tough, and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of it, Valerie makes this awesome meal. And she's like, Oh, I didn't know I could do that. And God's like, I told you. And that's the point. You know, sometimes it's tough, but God is like, like that, like that, you know, judge on that show, going, You can do this. You can really do this. And, and don't get me wrong. Some of, the, some of the things can be a little bit easier. But we're not talking about those right now. We're talking about the harder tests. So those harder tests don't ever feel like it's just a test for test sake. God is trying to help you see something new in yourself and to help you switch that up. Now, the last part of this um, sort of, you know, few words is character produces hope. Now, this is the weirdest thing, because when when you read this passage in Romans, you think, oh, surely the last thing is going to be awesome. You know, you got endurance, you got character, and then you're like, hope. All right, that's, I guess that's cool. um, But it just leaves you kind of hanging. You know, I never thought that this would end with hope, because hope is, I mean, yeah, I hope that, I don't know, that I'll get to eat some pork belly while I'm here in Singapore, yeah. That's that's a cool hope, but it's a, it sounds sounded to me like a possibility. Is that is that what I'm? I mean, I'm going through all this change for a possibility that can't be right. So I looked it up again, and and it's not just it's not just hope, because see before this he was talking about the coming of, of Jesus. So it's not just a hope; it's a change of perspective. See, at the end of it, when you get to the the hope part of this journey, you know that the next time you have to go through a trial that you can endure, your character is going to change. So he's not just talking about having hope in, you know, the pork belly. He's saying... Have hope that whatever you're going through is going to help you for the next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing. And if you are competitive like I am, like my wife is, every time you're going to go through a trial, this time you're going to think, man, I wonder what I'm going to get at the end of this. And so that's the hope that he's speaking about. You know, the hope is that when I get to the end of it, that I'm going to have all this stash of stuff that I worked through because I was faithful and obedient and I went through the trial and the tribulation and bam, look at that. Look at what I got. And I'll tell you something. Preaching in a foreign land is complicated. And when we got there for the first time and we were there two months, two months we were there and they said, okay, you are going to lead this thing called Explore. It's basically like the core for beginners, where people come, it's 10 evenings, it's all in German, okay, there are some groups of international people that are going to meet, and it's done in English, but you're not going to lead that, you're going to lead the the German portion, and I thought, okay, so you're going to lead these 10 people with your German that you've got, and you're going to do that, and that was crazy, and hard, and you doubt yourself every second, every millisecond of every day, And then after that, we just kept doing everything else in German. Every session, every coaching, everything was all in German. It wasn't easy because people told us, for example, that maybe because of our German, some things were not understood. Maybe because, you know, you're not local, maybe you're not getting it. And having to live with that stigma was really tough. But after two years, we are so integrated in that church. That is so much part of our family. They are so close to us. We have we do everything in German without a problem. Not only that, but Praveen went to get herself tested because she needed to get uh, uh, an approval rating. And we have never, ever been to a German course, ever. We just haven't had the time for it. We haven't had the money for it. So we've never gone to a German class. We've just learned with people, period. And she went to get herself te- tested. And she got one level before fluency. And it's not just fluency. It's the kind of fluency where if you went to do journalism. You know. Like the C1 is what it's called. It's a, it's a rating that goes from A to C. And she got one before that. And that is crazy. That God would anoint you to be able to go through a situation as insane as that. Come out the other side and have gained something so awesome in the process. But this is how God. Looks at life, how trials, the difficulties and and everything. And the last thing I want to leave you with is going back to James. What he says, how the heck? Wow, I changed that in time. Thank you, Jesus, because I was about to say something else. So how am I going to go through all this stuff? I mean, it's cool when you're saying it, but when I'm in it, how am I going to do that? Well, James has the perfect solution. He says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The testing produces patience. Now, I want to give a shout out to God and how awesome this is, that when you're in the testing, when you're in the testing, you are producing patience. When you're in the test, you're producing the thing that you need to get through it. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you're in the test, you are producing the thing that you need to get through it. How insane is that? You don't need to come up with it on your own. You don't need to think of what some, no, you, you, it's there already. I'm looking at my son now who's developing all kinds of new things. I don't have to teach him anything. He's doing it on his own. I didn't teach him, okay, look, to hold your head up, you need to do, no, he's doing it on his own. Okay, look to to, to you know to, to reach out your hand. No, he's doing it on his own. To turn over, you need no, he's doing it on his own. It's it's insane. But it's already in there. It's the same thing. It's already in there. When you're in the test, the patience is already being produced. But but let patience sorry, I just heard myself say but twice and I just kind of lost it in my head. Anyway, but let the patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You gotta let patience have its perfect work. You gotta let patience do its thing. Don't interfere. Don't go and say, "Oh, maybe I should do something else. Maybe, maybe I should go for a course. Maybe, maybe a, maybe a, a six-month seminar." No, don't go to the seminar. Okay? Just be patient. Oh, maybe I need like all the books. No, you don't need the books. Just be patient. Just be patient. There's a reason why the first quality of love is patience. Because, you know, Paul knew that if they're going to forget all the list of this stuff that I'm saying, and really everybody does, because I don't think everybody can name all the stuff unless you've like learned it, but you, everybody remembers love is patient. Everybody does. You know, because that's the most important thing. Love is patient. So be patient patient be patient let that work in you let that let that have its working in you so now you know every time you're in a tough situation first of all you know the cartel know how you feel so if you're in a tough situation just write to us we'll be like man i know that That sucks it's horrible but you'll get through it you know so if you're ever in a tough situation we know we got it we understand write to us we'll be there you know And the second thing is patient. Just be patient. And you're going to see this awesome process that God has prepared for you. Now, as I stand here and I'm talking to you, I see this beautiful wicker basket. And I realize I have forgotten to um, (laughs) ask you all to take the offering. But I think it's an awesome point to do that. It's an awesome point because giving of our finances can sometimes be difficult, can be tough. I know that we've been convicted many, many times of what and how much we should be giving and what kind. And it's not about the money. You see, God doesn't need your money. He's not interested in your money. It's the process, though, that He's interested in. The process that gets you to go, man, I just want to bless the work that God is doing. And I love this nation. As I've come back here and as I've seen the people and as I'm experiencing life with you, I have this newfound love for this nation. And when I left, I can't say that I had the same love. But now that I'm back here, man, I see so many things that I'd love to speak into people. There's so much kindness that I'd love to give out. Because it's gotta start from us. You see all the stuff that I sometimes complained about in Singapore, all the people, you know, they're not there's no customer service, the people are not interested, the people don't don't listen. Me going on and on about it is not going to do anything. But I can do something because I've been shaped by this character. I am that light. Jesus says you are the light and the salt. Go out and be light and salt. Go out and be light and salt to everybody. All the angry, all the you know people that are out there that are just frustrated with life, go be light and salt to all of them. This week, just be kind to like as much as you can. Every person you meet, just see what that does as a difference. And you think, well, oh, but we're only like 15, 20 people. What can we do? Man, it's a start. It's a start. That's what we want to do. We want to be light and so We want to love on people. So everything that we give is not giving because, you know, oh, we won't be able to pay the rent. No, because God provides all that. So it's not about that. It's about I want to give because every cent that I give can go into helping somebody who's out there who doesn't know Jesus and who could possibly change their life and could go through this experience knowing my suffering doesn't just end at suffering. My suffering is not just there because life is tough and it's impossible for me. I'll never be able to make it out. No, my suffering has a purpose that is so greater, and that at the end of it, I get hope. And I don't know about you, but at the end of this message, I'm excited now about the next trial. And I get it why James says, count it all joy. I get that now, because I'm excited. What's the next thing? What do I have to learn now? What do I got to do now? All right, it's going to be painful, but I'm going to learn something new.